Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 11 of the Ohio Valley Athletics podcast. We actually had a furlough last week, and that was on me. I had a real bad stomach virus. It was a rough four days. So sorry for the furlough last week. Glad to have everyone back this week. And in some instances, we're going to have about two weeks worth of sports to talk about or two weeks worth of sports related things that have happened that I want to circle back on touch on. I want to start with high school football, Sean. If you haven't, for all of our listeners out there, we published our power rankings, our top 15 programs this morning on our website, ovathletics.com. Checking in number one this week, and it starts from the, the upset we were just talking about, or actually, I don't know if everybody would consider it upset, but when Blair and St. Clairsville met the other week, St. Clairsville was able to come out on top of that game that was played in Belair. Sean, I actually had Belair winning that game. So that's why I said upset. In my mind, uh, I thought Belair was going to pull out that game. I thought going onto the field, I thought the teams were pretty close to even. Um, but I thought that playing in Belair was going to be able to give them the advantage that they needed to pull off that, uh, that victory. Uh, happy to see St. Clairsville get that victory, though. Uh, Brett McClain, he's we've said before of what he does, that program and the preparation he takes going into his games. And uh, they were able to pull out a heck of a victory. And then they followed it up last week, just a thumping over Union Local 55-7. For folks who don't know, that, that's a rivalry game in itself, St. Clairsville Union Local. And I thought that game would be a little bit more competitive, too. But um, it looks like St. Clairsville is really starting to roll right now. They're 7-1. Again, a victory over Union Local this past week and then Belair the week before. Let's pause there for a second, Sean. I, I, again, I had Belair beating St. Clairsville. Uh, that was my prediction. Uh, let's go. But you, and you had a, a, the same as well, correct? If I remember. I, your... I just thought they were so close. And, and really, I just picked Belair based on the fact they're playing at home, noon game on a Saturday. I, I thought they would get it done. But, you know, Brett McLean after that loss in week two, to Wheeling Park has really got this team revved up. And, and if people will remember, we had in our power rankings, St. Clair's will number one to start the year. Um, I thought that they were going to have a big year. And I kind of got a little bit of a pause there when they did lose to Park. Not the Park's a bad program, just that it was a fact that Park was a young team and didn't have a game under its belt at that point. So Park beating them was kind of a surprise to me. But ever since then, I'm telling you what, St. Clairsville has been mashing people. And they look like the team in the preseason that we thought they were going to be. And I, I listen, they went to the regional final last year. It looks like they're heading for another uh, same type of, of, of finish this year, if not getting past that point this time. They're doing it offensively. They're doing it in the air and on the ground, too. They, they've thrown for over 1,100 yards this year, but they're also doing it on the ground, too. Jordan, for them, has rushed for 900 or 750 yards already on the season, pacing well over 1,000 yards. Really tough to stop an offense when it's two-dimensional like that. Uh, you pick one, you're going to be wrong. Now, They've got an interesting game this week. A lot of people are probably looking at this game and not giving it much attention. Wheeling Central is going to be going to St. Clairsville. And, you know, Wheeling Central, we talked on a couple podcasts ago, they have a tough time scheduling games in state. So 
it's it's not foreign for us to hear you know Wheeling Central small school coming in to play these Ohio teams in Belmont County. They just played Martins Ferry last week, uh, beat them pretty handedly. Um, Mike Young, former former St. Clairsville head coach, longtime assistant coach there. It was a little messy when he left St. Clairsville. I can tell you firsthand, he wants to go there and get that win. This is a game that he wants to go there and he wants to get that win. Willing Central uh, is, is a little banged up. They've been banged up for a couple weeks now, but I think they're going to go in there. And I, I think St. Clairsville is going to get this win. Sean, you, we've got your predictions. We're not going to post them to the site for, uh, for, for another day or two, but you're welcome to talk on this game. I think Willing Central is going to make this a half game. And what I mean by that is I would not be surprised if Willing Central is winning at halftime. And I think St. Clairsville's depth is going to pull out the victory on this one. But I think this is going to be a really, really tough football game in St. Clairsville. I agree. Uh, Pretty much uh, you're spot on in in how I see this happening. I think it's going to be the key word you use is depth. Um, And it's unfortunate, like you said, that Wheeling Central has a tough time scheduling games. Um, They're not afraid to play anybody. They'll play anybody anywhere, anytime. The downside to that is you've got to get at least one of those, okay? Because let's say Wheeling Central just gets this one. The the bonus points they're going to get for this would be huge to put them in the, the top two, three of the bracket in Class A. And if you've got to come to Wheeling University and play them, it's over. Just pencil them into Wheeling Island Stadium right now in the Super Six. That might be the case, even if they have to go on the road. Yeah. But I think St. Clairsville is going to have just a little bit too much, and they're playing a little bit too well. And you mentioned the fact that Wheeling Central is and has been banged up. St. Clairsville can overcome things like that. Yep. Just sheer number standpoint, Wheeling Central cannot. Every week you talk about your upset alert. I'm going to make this my upset alert. I, I think St. Clairsville is going to win this game. I, ex- I expect them to, but I will not be surprised for one second if Wheeling Central gets this victory. That would be my upset alert. St. Clairsville hosting Wheeling Central this Friday. We talked a little bit about Belair. Uh, last week, they went to Shadyside and picked up a very narrow victory, 13-12. Shadyside was actually winning for the majority of this game, very low-scoring game. You know, I was following the score of this uh, through through Friday night. You know what, Sean? I was actually – this is one of those games where I was surprised, but then I was kind of like, eh, it makes sense when you think about it. I was surprised because I thought this was going to be a really high-scoring game. I thought each team was going to have a problem stopping each other. And then I thought about it. I'm like, eh, it kind of makes sense, you know, these – literally backyard brawl. I don't know if there's more of a such thing as a backyard brawl in the entire uh, Ohio Valley as this right here. Backyard brawl, a lot of emotions. Uh, I mean, heck, you got family members on each side of the field that grew up together. Uh, In some cases, hate each other, don't talk. A lot of emotion, a lot of passion, real bragging rights in this game. Uh, So it kind of made sense to me that it was a gritty, defensive battle in this game uh, any thoughts on that shady side Belair game from you I mean it for me it was pretty much what I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be low scoring just because 
traditionally, I mean, the, these two teams have had stellar defenses. And you, you think about the teams that are built for the long haul in the state of Ohio. If you've got aspirations of going deep in the state of Ohio, you cannot enter the playoffs hoping to score 40, 50 points every night because it's just not going to happen. You yeah. better have a defense that's going to be able to stand up to somebody to where you get a turnover and that leads to your 13th, 14th point, and that's going to be enough. And what that game told me was that both of these programs have a shot at going deep in the postseason this year. I, I was a little shocked that Bel Air won, not because that they're not a good program or not that they're a very good team. It's, let's face it. I mean, going back to your days, you just don't go into shady side very often and win. And that's, mm -hmm. that's, you know, yep. and I, we've talked about this before. I don't think shady side gets enough credit in the Valley as a small school power because of what Wheeling central has done. But shady side is every bit the program that Wheeling Central has. They just don't have the titles because it's more difficult to win it in, in Ohio. And that's not a knock on Wheeling Central by any means. I mean, you, you play who you play and where you play. And it's just anybody that tells you that it's not easier to win a state title in West Virginia than it is Ohio is not being truthful to the person they're telling and they're not being we got Blair checking in at number three in our power rankings. Shady sides right behind them at number four. Blair is seven and one. Shady side with that loss goes to six and one on the season. Blair will be at Union Local this Friday, and Shady Side will be hosting Bridgeport. Bouncing around down here. If you want to see the full list, head over to our website, ovathletics.com. Bouncing around a little bit. I want to jump down here. A team that I I, I I like to give a hard time. I like to because, again, I've got a, a good friend of mine that's been on the staff for a long time. And quite frankly, I expect a lot out of this program. They've got great facilities. They've got a good history. They've got, uh, while enrollment may not be what it was, they still got a great enrollment. That's the John Marshall Monarchs. Four and two, Sean. Four and two, they're going to be uh, hosting Brooke this weekend, which is going to be a good game. Brooke's coming, coming in four and one. Uh, missed a game or two this year because of COVID. So they're coming in, uh, you know, excited to be able to play some football. Thoughts on the John Marshall Monarchs? And and I'm, I want to give you a little context here. Uh, I know for, I know the couple of members of their coaching staff listen to this podcast, and I know it gets them a little railed up when when we tease them, but. They're putting they're they're putting putting together a pretty good season here. I did not expect that first year new coach coming in from the Ohio side. Uh, I, I I I they're they're surpassing my expectations early in the year. I'll put it this way, and this is no disrespect because this is what you're supposed to do. They've to this point they've beaten the teams that they should beat, and they've lost to the teams that they should have lost to. Maybe you can argue that they should have and could have beaten Parkersburg South. I'll give you that one. Sean, I want to stop you there, though. John Marshall has kind of been notorious in the last couple of years, though, for finding a way to lose games. Being in <laughs> games and then in the fourth quarter, it's like it's like they just didn't want to win it. They have. I, I, I'll agree with that. The problem is, and this is just reality, is the back half of the schedule is loaded. Yeah. Beginning this week with Brooke coming to town. And by the way, I knew this was the case. I don't know why I put it like this in our uh, rankings, 
That game is actually Thursday night in Moundsville. It's not a Friday night game. Um, but now they they have to they still have Brook this week. They got to play Morgantown. They got to play Wheeling Park. And Wheeling Park is a team that if they get, can get enough games in, is going to make not not can make, is going to make a deep probably minimum semifinal run in AAA in West Virginia. Yeah. We, Wheeling Park really does look good. I, I was watching highlights of them from this past weekend. They look good on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're playing fundamentally sound football. Uh, their quarterback, Brett Phillips, sharp. Keep me honest. Is he a sophomore? He's, he's a younger guy, right? He's a sophomore or junior? Junior. And then that got me thinking about just the Phillips in general, and I'm going to kind of go, go out of bounds here for a second. He's the, he's the third Phillips in that program, and he's the last. That's, that's Coach Keith yep. Phillips' son. What, what a uh, kind of legacy, you know, the Phillips have been in, in Wheeling. Uh, Coach Keith Phillips was the defensive coordinator when I was at West Liberty. Uh, this man knows his football. He was also a defensive coordinator at Bethany for a year. And for the last, say, 10 years, he's been the defensive coordinator at Wheeling Park. And he's got two boys that both play at West Liberty. And now his third boy is a quarterback here at Wheeling Park. Uh, what, what a lo- legacy the Phillips family has, has left in Wheeling. Uh, the third boy, Brett, he might be the best. He might be the best of the bunch. Junior threw for 300 yards and get this five touchdowns last week. Wheeling Park, watch out. And, and this is a team that's that's only played four games so far this year. They're, and they're, they're still warming up. The thing about the Phillips clan is this. As you talked about Keith's resume, he has been to the top in everything he's done. All three of his boys. Tremendous athletes. But I'll say this. One of the nicest, most down-to-earth families that you are ever going to meet. I mean, just from top to bottom, absolute class. All three of these boys have dominated at every level they've played at. You would never know it. Mm-hmm. You would never, if you talk to them, you'd never even know they play football, let alone are star football players. And that comes from mom and dad. You and I both know that, but it's one of my favorite families in the 20 plus years that I've done this, that I've had a chance to deal with, you know, I, I, I just really can't say enough, you know, whenever we've talked about this before, whenever I was going through my personal problems about four years ago, one of the first people to reach out to me was Keith Phillips. He didn't have to do that. Yeah, I believe so, that. And their mom, his wife, just an unbelievably sweet woman i i i enough good things not enough good things can happen to that family that's that's the best way i can put it so interesting game here you know i always think if 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 i was going to go to a game this weekend which one would i go to and i think my knee jerk would be st clairsville and wheeling central i would really want to see that game but i'll tell you one that's going to be good here we've got barnesville six and one they're number eighth in our power rankings uh, I think they're, they're playing Shenandoah and I think this is going to be a good game up around those parts. Uh, this is, this is considered a rivalry game as well. Uh, this is going to be, I think this is going to be, it's going to have a similar feel to that Belair shady side game. Wouldn't be surprised if this is a low scoring game, uh, with a lot of snot coming out of people's noses. 
that would be a fun game to go to. Uh, it's going to be at Shenandoah. I would, I would not be surprised. Barnesville should win that game. I will not be surprised if Shenandoah pulls off that upset. You know, Barnesville, <laughs> that's a sneaky good football team. Yeah. Um, they're, they're where they are in our rankings just because of the people that are out of them. Or, you know, you, you look at Barnesville's one loss, shady side. No shame there. They've just knocked the snot out of everybody else they played. And you know as well as I do, Brian, they play a physical brand of football out there. They They're yep. going to smack you in the mouth night in and night out until you say, I can't take it anymore. That's a team that I think it's not going to surprise me, but it's going to surprise people, some people in this Valley, at what they do come postseason time because they are built for the playoffs. You know, a, lot, a lot's changed since since I was playing in the Ohio Valley, so this may not hold true today. But there are teams you played where you knew if they couldn't beat you, they were going to try to cheat you. You know, you knew to expect some things after the play. Barnesville was not one of those teams. They were one of those teams where, giddy up, you know when that whistle blows, they're going to hit you. They're going to hit you really hard until that whistle blows again. But no cheap stuff. Now, playing in Barnesville is a little different. Playing in the oh. stadiums a little different. But from what actually happens on the field, yeah, you, you got you to gotta buckle your chin strap when you're playing Barnesville because they, they absolutely bring it. Now, they, Barnesville, they beat Monroe Central last week. Monroe Central record-wise as a team, um, you know, they're not having a great year. Uh, but they've got a quarterback I want to talk about here for a second. Oh, yeah. Malachi Rose Burton. For, for folks that aren't familiar with uh, this boy up in Moreau Central, he's our quarterback. Uh, he actually does a little bit of everything. I think he's got four or five interceptions on the year as well. He's our quarterback. He's thrown for 1,100 yards this year. And get this, Sean, he's rushed for 886 yards this year. He's already accumulated over 2,000 yards. And again, I believe he's got four or five interceptions as well, senior uh, he's really holding that program together and doing it on both sides of the field with his arm on his legs. I wish I had a chance to see this kid play. Sounds like he's a real treat to watch. And from the video I've gotten to see, he, he is the real deal. I mean, he's out there making plays. He's a one-man wrecking crew is what he is. You look like – he looks like he's dead to rights. He'll be in the backfield. There'll be six guys around him, and somehow he'll squirt out of there, and he'll go to the other side of the field and score. And, you know, our very first podcast, one of the things we talked about is an award we're going to give out at the end of the year, the Iron Man Award. And obviously nothing is set in stone. There's a lot of football left to play. But the definition that we gave of what that award is going to mean and the definition you just gave of this kid, I'm just saying, they match up pretty darn well. Yep, that's it's. It's uh, still a lot of season to go, but yes, this boy's doing something really, really special up there. Sean, I want to turn the page here on high school football, and I want to go local college and talk about some things we have going on in the Ohio Valley area. We've got West Liberty University and Wheeling University. They're both even record at three and three, 500 on the year. Uh, from, from local Valley players, interesting here. West Liberty is led on the ground by a boy named Tyler Moeller out of Parkersburg. He's a redshirt freshman, leads the team in rushing yards with 424 rushing yards. Uh, if you want to go see this boy play, West Liberty play, but also a, a Ohio Valley 
uh, rooted boy. You can catch West Liberty. They're going to be at home this Saturday. And I believe they play Fairmont state with a kickoff at one o'clock wheeling university. They've also got some Valley players on there starting with their quarterback, Brennan Norris from Indian Creek. Uh, he's thrown for 889 yards on the year, nine touchdowns, only five interceptions. Um, and four, came last week. four, four touchdowns last week. No, four picks, four of those five picks came last week. Ah, so yeah. Prior to last week, it was an even better ratio. Now I yeah. don't, I don't have him on here. I think he's a junior, right? Sophomore, junior. I believe a junior. Don't quote me on that. Although this is being recorded. So I'm actually being quoted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the Bethany Bison tough year for them. They're one of five. They actually picked up their first one of the year this past weekend. Bethany is a, uh, they, they are an air assault team. They actually don't have a running back on their team that has over a hundred yards. Uh, I think they've rushed for under 300 yards the entire season. Having said that, um, their top two receivers on their team, you guessed it, Ohio Valley Products. They both have 28 receptions on the year. Um, the, the difference between the two is receiving yards. Uh, out of Weird Madonna, Brennan Sechrist, uh, 28 receptions, 472 yards. And then on the other side of, of the field, they've got Devon. Uh, McWhorter, McWhorter out of Wheeling Park, 28 receptions for 244 yards. So we've got some Ohio Valley players here locally. They're doing some things for our local schools. Bethany's going to be at home this Saturday. West Liberty will be at home this Saturday. And Wheeling University, they're actually going to be on the road. Ohio State Buckeyes are not playing this Saturday, so you got a great reason to get outside of your house and go check some of these local teams out. Talking about Ohio State, Sean, they're starting to come together. You know, it's been two weeks since we've been on here, and there's a couple of things Ohio State related I want to talk about. Let me, let me, I get the rankings pulled up here, and there's something I want to talk about here. So interesting. I got to tell you, this last Saturday is one of the best Saturdays of college football I can remember in a long time. It was to be a college football fan was a real, real treat. Um, that Georgia game was, was incredible to watch Oklahoma, incredible to watch, um, Ohio state's really starting to put it together. They, their last two games, they have improved a hundred percent from their first two games, but you know, I always try to look at things fair. There's something that doesn't sit right with me, Sean, Ohio state right now, they're ranked sixth in the country, Oregon, who beat them at four and ones ranked ninth. <laughs> now, they look Ohio State looks like a completely different team. If they played Oregon again today, what would happen? Well, we won't know because it ain't going to happen. But I think Ohio State would beat them by many, many touchdowns. But but that game just happened three weeks ago, four, three, four weeks ago. You know, we're not talking like it's the end of the year. We're not talking like that game's, you know, re we're removed nine, 10, 11 weeks. Being that that game just happened to have Ohio State three positions ahead of them and they both have one loss it just feels like the the it's broken it feels like the the, the ranking system is broken it, if if oregon is if ohio state's sixth sixth based off what you see on the field oregon can't be ninth just doesn't make sense to me it's all about when you lose and it's all about what jersey you wear we, we talked about this when ohio state got beat as long as they win, they're going to be there because they're a high state. Alabama just lost. Guess what? Alabama's going to be there in the end, 
because they're Alabama. The, mm-hmm. Certain programs get the benefit of the doubt. That's why you see the same programs in the, the college football playoff. You know, that's why, it, honestly, it, it's hard for me to watch. It's become, in a different way, but in the same way, like baseball for me. Yeah, It's going to be the same couple of teams every single year. The difference is, in baseball, it's because of a lack of a salary cap. In football, it's because there's some people out there who are always going to elevate certain programs over other ones. You look at Cincinnati right now, who's number three. I believe that's the highest Cincinnati's ever been ranked. I would bet that, yeah. They lose one game, they're not playing in a playoff. Done. They won't even be in the top ten. And it's garbage. Yep. That's why I don't put a lot of stock in it, because it's the same thing over and over, and everybody knows it. Whether you're an Ohio State fan, a Cincinnati fan, you know what's going to happen. I'm just going to focus on the top 10 right now. And the top 10, we've got one, two, three, four, four teams in the top 10 that have a loss. Now, when you go outside of the top 10, ranked number 11th of the country is Kentucky, undefeated, 6-0. Ranked number 12th in the country, Oklahoma State, 5-0. 15th in the country, Coastal Carolina, 6-0. 16th in the country, Wake Forest, 6-0. Uh, 23rd in the country, SMU, 6-0. 24th in the country, San Diego State, 5-0. Now, some people are going to go, well, it's San Diego State, it's Coastal Carolina. They're undefeated, right? You know, they're undefeated. And it's it's tough because, Sean, I feel like the grass is always greener here. This is a grass is always greener instance because I don't, re- I don't know anybody that liked the BCS system when we had the BCS system. But now I think we've went completely the other side. The thing, the thing we didn't like about the BCS is it was all an algorithm and there was no ability to have, I guess, opinionation. You know, I saw this with my eyes. I think we all know that while the calculation might say this, if you watched them play, you'd see something different. Well, now we're on the complete other opposite spectrum. Now we're going, it's all an eye test. It is all opinion. To, to me, we got to figure out a way to factor in some sort of algorithm where you're undefeated. That means something. You get extra points when you're undefeated compared to a loss. Like a loss has to penalize you, but we don't. It's still an, it's, it's 100% an eye test now. And it's, I think we're broken there because it, we're going to continue to go with these schools. To your point, we're going to continue to go with the schools that are the most popular And then people don't like to talk about this, but people are also going to be influenced by the schools that are giving them an envelope as well. And the schools that when they're playing, the most amount of televisions are going to be on. Yeah. Whether we want to admit it or not. And if you, if you're not going to admit it, your head's just in the sand or you're just being completely dishonest intentionally. College sports are a big business a gigantic business it's all about the dollar and this just can you know the list of schools that are undefeated that can't get inside the top 10 this all goes back to something else we talked about preseason rankings if san diego state didn't start outside the rankings where would we be mm-hmm. if the season started today where would san diego state be if the ranking started today where would they be yep it's, it's it's an unfair 
advantage and disadvantage at the same time. Because yeah. other teams, again, Cincinnati is a, a, a great example. They started high enough in those preseason rankings that when certain teams fell, they were able to jump up in front. Even if those teams that lost only dropped three spots, Cincinnati was somehow able to get in front of them. But, again, the bottom line is a team like Cincinnati has to do more than a team like Ohio State. Because if Ohio State has one loss and Cincinnati has one loss, there's no doubt who's getting in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's just not fair. There's a, there's a lack of competitive balance. And I don't know how you fix it, so I'm, I guess I'm being one of those guys who's complaining but doesn't have an answer. But there are people that get paid a lot of money to come up with that answer that are either not able to do that or not interested in doing that. I'm with you, though. I mean, I, I love college football. I like it more than the NFL. And if anybody's listened to – uh, this podcast for more than five minutes, you know, I love Ohio stakes. I figure out a way to mention them about every five minutes, but it, it's getting stale seeing the same programs every week. I like good football. I'm tired of seeing Georgia and Alabama on TV every week. I am. I love football. I would like to see coastal Carolina play. I'm in South Carolina and you can't even see them on TV. I would like to see SMU. I would like to see San Diego State. All of these programs that I mentioned are undefeated on the year. I would like to see these teams get some some press where we could actually see you're not you're not halfway through the year by accident. These are this is going to be good football. We get to watch now. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself, though. Maybe some people would turn on ESPN and see Coastal Carolina, who's undefeated. And I, I can't remember the quarterback's name off the top of my head, but people are saying he's going to get drafted. The kid's good. Maybe some people would turn it on. They say, oh, Coastal Carolina, <laughs> turn the channel. Maybe, you know, because it's not Penn State or Michigan or Oregon. I would like to be able to see more of these teams. And, and again, there's, there's something broken with the system. I think we both know what it is. It's money. You know, you paid, you paid your way to be on TV. It's getting stale. There's there's what 120 something division one programs, 130. There's new new teams every year, 130. And 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 what will you see on TV? Maybe 40 of them all year, maybe 40. I would much rather see a semifinal game between Alabama and Cincinnati than I would see a rematch of an SEC title game that I just saw three weeks ago. Yeah. It's just it. You use the the correct term, stale. Like, I might tune in, I might not, because I just I, I I've seen this show a million times. Yeah. The other guy deserves a chance. You know, if they never have a chance, you can't sit here and tell me they don't belong. You just can't. You say, oh, well, Cincinnati hasn't played this. They haven't played an SEC schedule. Yeah, they haven't. Because they're not in the SEC, but they've beaten who was put in front of them, and they deserve an opportunity to play. And that's why, at the very least, we've got to see an, ex- an expanded playoff of at least top 16 teams. Because uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing the same four or five programs play year after year after year. Notre Dame gets in there. Who's Notre Dame play? Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. 
But Notre Dame gets in there because they're a national brand and they're going to bring all kinds of revenue. Yeah, Their fans are going to, number one, travel like crazy. And number two, the ones that can't afford to travel like crazy are going to be glued to their television sets. So yep. everybody's making money. Sean, it wouldn't be fair if we didn't talk about Urban Meyer. We want to be fair, right? What a jerk. So for folks that aren't caught up, I'm sure everybody's probably caught up, caught up on this, but in case you haven't heard, uh, the weekend before this passed, Jacksonville played in Cincinnati. And rather than catch the flight back to Florida, Urban Meyer stayed back in Ohio. Uh, it was a Thursday game, so the team had the weekend off. And Urban Meyer decided to stay in Ohio where he drove to Columbus, where the majority of his family still lives. Um, He stayed at his daughter's house, stayed with his grandkids. Um, He was out that night at a bar that he owned. That's that's a little tidbit. I think a lot of people don't know. So he's out at a bar that he actually owns or has ownership in. And while he is out at that bar, he was caught on video or I should say there was video where a girl was dancing in front of him. Hard to tell what kind of contact was made. It definitely looks like there was contact made. Uh, Hard to tell who started that contact, but for about the 30 seconds of the video, it it did definitely appear that there was contact. And um, there was some pictures that you could see on social media too. It looked like Urban was pretty tuned up. That was not a sober Urban uh, nonetheless, needless to say, caught a lot of attention. Uh, the following Monday, Urban had a press conference where he apologized, said he was embarrassed. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership said that it was, I think the word they used was disturbing, uh, that they were disappointed in it. Uh, numerous press articles have come out that Urban's losing control of the locker room, that the team doesn't trust him. Trevor Lawrence um, was asked about that in his weekly presser, and he said it doesn't affect him. He said that uh, coach talked to him specifically, he understands things happen, that uh, his, tr- his personal trust was not compromised. When you watched Urban Meyer, you could tell he was definitely defeated. Uh, you know, a guy that's usually chipper, upbeat, a lot of pep in his step, none of that was there. Sean, I want to turn it over to your thoughts on that whole situation. Well, first of all, he was like that because he got caught. And there's a lot to unpack here. And let's start with the important stuff. Number one, this is a married man. Number two, as you stated, he's staying with his daughter, who is a female, and his grandkids. And he is out at a bar groping a woman who is probably half his age. It is an absolutely disgusting display. First and foremost, everything about it is creep show personified. And that's a guy who has been in a powerful position his in almost his entire life who thinks rules do not apply to him and do you want to know part of the reason why he thinks that rules do not apply to him because almost immediately and i'm not putting this on her just this part of it 
almost immediately, his wife put out a statement on Twitter supporting him. You have become an enabler. And I'm not pretending to know what goes on in, in someone else's home. I don't know what kind of relationship he and his wife have. But it was disturbing for me to see her come out in support of him. Because if there's one thing I know, that might have been the first time there was video of that. I promise you, that is not the first time that something like that has gone down. Now, let's go to the less important side, the football side. Number one, it had already been out since like week two of the preseason that the locker room was not impressed by this guy. He is a lifetime college coach trying to come in to a sport where they are being paid millions of dollars. They are men. You have to treat them like men. You can't treat them like boys. So there was already some sort of schism in the locker room about that. How can you, as a player, sit there and listen to him tell you about the dangers of being out late at night, about nothing good happening after midnight at a bar, about making the right choices, about being good family men. You're done in that locker room, dude. You are done. There is no coming back from that. I don't care what Trevor Lawrence said for two reasons. Number one, he's not going to come out and blast Urban Meyer. He's just not. Number two, he's still a kid himself. He probably sees nothing wrong with that. This is a, a microcosm of a bigger problem in life. Where, and listen, I'm not, I'm not going to go putting people on blast here but i know a lot of people in the high valley there are a lot of prominent business people who make a lot of money who i know 110 percent for a fact are out doing these same types of things true money they say it's the root of all evil and it is because if you have money, there's a different set of rules for you than there are for the people who aren't. And if you have money, chances are when you go stepping out, that wife's going to come out in support of you. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a, in, a, in a bad way. I'm just saying that's how life works. And for the Jaguars, who have, what, lost 19 in a row, 20 in a row now? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you just eyes right there? You need a culture built there. Number one, that's, what, that's, that's the first thing you have to do to turn a program around, whether it's pro, college, whatever. You have to establish a culture. And you can't do that when you yourself 
the person who's in charge of that culture have destroyed it. You've destroyed all your trust. You're a phony. You're a liar. You have no credibility. The Jaguar, Jacksonville, this is on the ownership at this point. You should have cut ties right there because nothing good is going to come of this. There's, there's guys in that locker room who are talking off the record, which just drives me crazy, by the way. If you got something, you know, Urban Meyer's a creep. I'll give you that. But if you got something to say about it, be a man and put your name to it. It carries a lot more weight if somebody would do that. But what are we doing? He's never going to change his behavior. Because the two people that could hold him accountable, his wife and the owner of the team that he's employed by, immediately come and stand by him. These, these empty words of, you know, this isn't, a, this isn't a good look. This isn't the way we want to do things. Bullshit. Somebody's got to step up and put this guy in his place. There are young kids watching this. What, what example are we setting? And don't get me wrong. Listen, I'm not without my faults. I've done stupid things in, in life. I've had to pay for those stupid things. Both financially, emotionally, you know. You're not doing the person who's committing the offense any good with a smack on a wrist. Because that doesn't, that doesn't register with these people. It doesn't. He might not get caught again, but I promise you. This isn't the last time he's going to do it. This is who Urban Meyer is. This is who Urban Meyer has been. And, you know, the least of it that we haven't even talked about, you're trying to build a culture, supposedly. You've lost 19 games in a row. You're a laughing stock of not only your sport, but sports in general. And you say, I'm not going to go home on the, the team flight. I'm going to stay back. I'm going to, I'm going to head to Columbus. No. But this is, the Urban Meyer, this, this is what Urban Meyer has shown us at every stop throughout his career. When things are tough, he's going to bail. But he keeps getting chances. Why? Yeah, because he wins. Wins. He, he wins. He wins. Now, I, I agree with 90% of what you said. I agree with 98% of what you said. The two, the 2%, I, it's not that I disagree. It's just, I don't know. And that's that he's done this before and that he'll do it again. I, I want, I am highly disappointed and, but I'm, I, I still, I want to believe that this, this was a first time of that, of what happened. I want to believe that my, I have a lot of problems with this, Sean, but I'll tell you what, I'm looking at this from a sports angle. My my biggest problem I have with this, and, and don't read into this the wrong way, is it's a, his team just lost, and, and he he doesn't go back with his team. And I said that you know they had the weekend off, and that's the, that's the narrative that people were saying. It doesn't matter if the team had the weekend off. If you're if you haven't lost a game, and you are trying to change the culture, and you're trying to 
to recondition people of what winning is. You should have been there. You should have been the first person that your player saw when they got off that plane. You should have been the first person back in Jacksonville in that field house, figuring out what the opportunity was that last week, getting your team prepared for the next week. He's not in a luxury. He's not in a position to have the professional luxury of taking the weekend off. That's how I would have looked at it. So from a, from a professional standpoint, I'm taking the personal side out of it for a second. From a professional standpoint, what are you doing, man? You're, you're acting like you're, you're 15 and 0. I'm going to take the weekend off, go visit family. You're going to do what? You just got cleaned up on the field. You looked bad. You've looked bad all year. And you're going to go, you know, kick your feet up. No, that's, that's, that didn't make sense to me. We've talked about this before, Brian, and we've both been in locker rooms. We've both played sports. We've both been on in the locker rooms on, on the other side of it. It's a very real thing that teams take on the personality of their coach. Absolutely. And what is, what is, what is the message that he's sending? I don't give a crap. Nope. Why does anybody else? Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So that, that, that is tough. Uh, I'm an Urban Meyer fan. Um, read two of his books. I, I would search for podcasts that he was in. Uh, I liked his message. I lost a lot of respect for him though. When I saw that video now, Sean, I tried to, I tried to pull myself back and I'm going to, I'm going to talk out loud of kind of what was going on in my head. This is literally what I was doing. I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and I'm going, okay, well, I don't know the condition of his marriage. This might sound outlandish, but maybe he and his wife have an open marriage. Maybe he and his wife are separated right now. And we don't know that, you know, maybe they're in the process of going through divorce and maybe they are, they have not publicly spoke about that. Maybe they are. And I walk my through walk, kind of walk through a lot of other scenarios as well. But here's what I came back to. How would I feel if Mike Tomlin was caught at McFadden's after we got beat? And they caught video of him doing the exact same thing. And I like Mike Tomlin. I'm not on the Mike, you know, fire Mike Tomlin every year thing. I don't, I don't think he's as good as we give him credit for, but I don't think he's as bad as the haters say either. How would I have felt? I would have, I probably would have been right there with the people that are going, that is not the example I want on my team. That is not the leader I want of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is not something that I am okay with. So why should it be any different for, for Urban? Now, again, we don't know what's going on in his marriage, but you're in a position of leadership. You're in a position of influence. That is a responsibility. And if you're not willing to, to take on that responsibility with pride, then give up your position of responsibility. That's the problem, personal problem I have, Sean. Because, see, I've got, I've got a professional problem that you didn't do your job. And now I've got a personal problem that ethically, you're not doing your job. Ethically, you are a leader of men. You are a leader of an organization. And what did you, that, that's not just when you're on the football field, that's at all times, right? That's, that's at all times. I also did this too, Sean. I was trying to, I was really trying to give him a pass. And I said, well, players do that all the time. <laughs> we don't care. 
but he's not a player. He's the coach. He's the head coach. I'm saying that out loud because other people may have been, you know, trying to rationalize what I did. He's not a running back. He's not a defensive back. He's not a linebacker. He's the head coach. Not okay. Not okay, Urban. The optics are horrible. How much do you want to bet he is sat there probably in preseason when they first gathered and gave some sort of a speech that included something along the lines of, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to embarrass yourself. You're going to embarrass your family. You're going to embarrass your teammates, the organization, and your teammates who are your brothers are going to have to answer questions about your actions. Yep. That's why I say he's done there. I don't know how he could walk in there and look those guys in the face because you just can't. Everything that he has probably told them don't do in one stupid drunken night, he broke every one of those rules. You, I'm not, I don't, if I'm in that locker room, my respect level is in the negatives for him. You're not going to tell me, Jack, you know what? Yep. Hey, talking NFL, let's go to our Steelers. You know, again, I was sick last week. We didn't get to do this. And it's, it's never fun talking about the Steelers when we, when we get our butts handed. Interesting week, Sean. You know, we, we, uh, we didn't look good against the Packers. We didn't look good against Cincinnati. I actually think we probably looked a little better against the Packers and Cincinnati. But then you know what happened this last week? Cincinnati and the Packers played each other. And they went to the wire. And if you use that game that they played, you could make a reasonable assumption that the Bengals and Packers are pretty good in a different level than the Steelers. And I say that in that we didn't look great against the Packers and Bengals, but based off what we saw, we could be saying that those are two more elite programs, at least at this stage of the season. The Steelers this past week, uh, offensively, cohesively, probably more specifically the offensive line, our defense has been, for the most part, pretty solid all year. Offensive line, the most cohesive they looked all year. Ben had time, more time than he's had all year, which opened up a lot of things. Sean, I thought we looked pretty good this past week. I liked what I saw. For me, it's... It's cliche, but it kind of goes back to when it doesn't go well, it's probably not as bad as you think it is. And when it does go well, it's probably not as good as you think it is. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And that's where I come out of this this week's game uh, at. I, I, like uh, we were talking about John Marshall earlier, I, I think – this was a team that the Steelers should beat, and they did. You know, the NFL, the difference between winning and losing is just like it's a sliver because everybody is so talented. I mean, we're talking about the best players in the world. There, there, there's, <laughs> it cracks me up whenever I see somebody tweet or I'm talking to somebody and they say, uh, this player sucks. The worst player in the NFL is better than 99% of every other human being. Yep. I, 
I honestly don't know how I feel coming out of that game. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen them put them away, and they didn't. Because, I honestly, I, I, I think there are some issues on the defense. Um, and I don't know how you rectify them. This is like two or three weeks in a row that we've had our most inexperienced corner, James Pierre, late in ball games, one-on-one with the other team's number one receiver with no help over the top. Mm-hmm. And we keep getting burned for deep touchdowns. I don't understand that. T.J. Watt, listen, fair or unfair, I think it's fair. He missed the game because of injury. And since he came back, he's been pretty darn average. And for this to be an elite defense, he can't be average. You're getting paid quarterback money now. There are very few people that don't play quarterback in the NFL that are being paid quarterback money and if you are you don't get the opportunity or the leeway to have a uh, an average week you've got to bring it he's got to be a disruption defensive line cam hayward it much the way that i think big ben is underappreciated and has been his entire career i think cam hayward has been that exact same way defensively we're not going to understand how good cam hayward was slash is until he is gone that is an absolute man in there the problem we have right now along the defensive line is that stefan to still on the ir and tyson alawalu is out so he's pretty much the only guy in there and when we had a healthy defensive line, at least with Tyson in there, it made a big difference because the Steelers were able to get to the quarterback without blitzing. Now they're having to blitz more, which is leading to one more one-on-one coverage on the outside. And the deficiency that we've had for probably two decades, which is cornerback, is showing. Joe Hayden's the best cornerback on his team, and he's good, but he's 32 years old. Yep. Offensively, the line was huge. I'll give the line credit, and they have to be if the Steelers are going to have any success. But more importantly to me was the scheme that we had. There weren't any of these east-south or east-west, jeez, yeah, east-west, east-west bubbles we were attacking down the field Mm -hmm. and everybody kept saying, well, Ben can't throw the ball down the field. Can't throw the ball down the field. His arm is not the issue. What's his issue is his knees and his legs are shot. They are gone. Give him time and give him a scheme where he can attack down the field and he's going to beat you. I don't think, I, I think we're probably past the, the 400, 500 yard Ben. He might, he might pull one of those out here and there, but he's not going to consistently do that. But attack, attack down the field. Sean, were you up for the uh, KC Bills game last night? I, I watched some of it. I mean, I didn't get home from softball last night until like 8.45. Then I had to shower and eat dinner. I, I watched a little bit of it. 
So I had a couple fantasy players in there. I've got Mahomes as my quarterback, and so I had some interest, and I, I stayed up for that game. At halftime, it got delayed for – there was some thunder, so halftime ended up at la- lasting like an hour. And so, you know, they, they take it back to the studio with Tony Dungy, and they had a – they were just finding burners, you know, to talk about. And, and, and it, was, it was nice to hear because they, they actually went through every game and reviewed every game, kind of like NFL primetime. Um, but and Tony Dungy, though, you know, a guy that knows a lot more about football than both of us, quarterbacks specifically, I'm paraphrasing, but not by much. He said, uh, I, I'm really happy for Ben because he's been getting so much unfair criticism by the media. He, he needed this win because this is what we do in the media. We have to, we have to pick people apart. He said, I'm, I'm glad that everybody has to give him a break this week. And again, I'm paraphrasing, by, but not by much. And I was like, thank you. Finally, you know, somebody actually knows some football to say this guy's pretty, you know, not, not, not over the hill like everybody's acting. And uh, I completely agree with you on the arm. His, his arm is, is not just strong for a 39-year-old. His arm is strong for a starting quarterback in the NFL. His arm looks great. Dare I say his arm looks better than, than it has in a couple of years. You know, they, they tighten that thing up when he had surgery. It looks great. His wheels, his legs, and also his head. And what I mean by that is confidence, maybe confidence, not necessarily himself, but I think maybe confidence in what's happening around him, you know, kind of looking over his shoulder, rushing things a little bit. Um, but arm strength, <laughs> if, if he had a Tom Brady offensive line, he, he, he could do what Tom Brady's doing and say, I might, I might play another five years. Um, I don't think he's going to have that opportunity, but if you're talking arm, he can play a lot, lot longer. Sean, we just found out today that Juju Smith Schuster is out for the year. You know, Juju's had a disappointing two years but he still did get respect on that field, not necessarily internally, but from the defense. Not saying he didn't internally, but defense still respected him. That's, that's a loss for us. What are we going to do? We, I don't think we have that internally. I don't think we're going to change our scheme. Do, do we look for a trade? Do we look for free agency? No. I don't. Well, they're bringing in a guy. I forget his name. He, he played for the Bears. He's a former second-round pick. I think his name's Antonio Miller, perhaps. But what you're going to see is James Washington is going to get the shot that he's been wanting and for some reason has not because he's going to come in and he's going to play that slot. And I, I think we're going to be fine there. I really do because I think James Washington is, is a quality NFL receiver. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity um, you know, I, I feel bad for Juju obviously because he's hurt, but that's not what I'm talking about. He came in, you know, and he, he's still a young kid. I think he's only 23. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so he came in at like 20, I believe. And not a lot was expected of him. The Steelers had Antonio Brown. And because they had Antonio Brown, who was getting doubled, he was always he was seeing bracket coverage on every single snap. Juju became a star. 
But if we're going to be honest, he became a star, number one, because he was good. He's a good player. But he became a star because Antonio Brown was there. Yep. And all the attention went there. And through no fault of his own, A.B. went off the, the, the train tracks, went crazy. He had to go. And all of a sudden, you're telling, a, a, at that time, probably a 21-year-old kid, you have to go be the number one receiver now in an offense that is set up to contend for a Super Bowl. And I'll be completely honest, and I'm not lying to you, when we didn't go out and pick somebody up to come in and be a number one receiver, I said, we're in trouble. Because he's just not, Juju is just not built like a number one receiver. He and, isn't. And you're, and you're right on. I want to stop you there. That, that's been a part of, for the last few years, of the Steeler offense that I think has been high, highly overlooked as one of our flaws is, is our receiving core. And it's we've got some talent there. But Ben hasn't had a connection with a receiver since Antonio Brown left. And before Antonio Brown, it was Heinz Ward. The connection was different. And you can say what you want about those guys' talent level, but there was a connection there. It was, I mean, they, it was almost like, I mean, they were, they were just on the same page. Ben would, would, would roll out. And I said earlier, like there's something missing in terms of confidence and, and confidence wasn't worth the, the, the term I was looking for. It was relationship. It was knowing what this guy is going to do, throwing it. Cause I know that he will be there. That was the relationship that he, Antonio Brown had Antonio Brown for the record. I think he's an idiot, but on the field, him and Ben had a connection just like he and Heinz Ward did. Antonio Brown leaves and you could say something about Heath Miller. He had an, he had that he had a relationship there, a trust level where he knew that that guy would be there, and they knew when Ben was scrambling. This is where Ben usually wants to put the ball. Like they knew it. He hasn't had that, and I think that that relationship is is just as, if not more, critical than being able to. If if you're a right-handed quarterback, being able to trust your left tackle. I think it's that kind of relationship. And looking back over the last couple of years, Sean. I think I think that's that's been one of the biggest um, Achilles' heels of the Steelers. We wanted think, to be Juju Smith, but there it wasn't organic. They couldn't create it. Two things for me on that. Number one, I, I think we're starting to see that develop with Deontay Johnson. Agree. Who was really coming into his own last year? He had or this year, last year he had all kinds of drop issues. Um, and, and the second thing has been. What made him really good was that playground football. The ability to get outside and buy time. It's hard enough for a DB to cover a receiver, especially with the rules today, for three seconds. When Ben is is escaping the pocket and running around back there for eight, nine seconds, the DB had no chance. Ben can't do that anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And that, if there's one deficiency in his game now, and Mike Tomlin even said it, it's, it's mobility. His knees are shot. And kind of getting back to, to Ben a little bit, one thing that has bummed me out, because I'm a huge Ben fan, like I, I have been from the second we drafted him, is I, I've always loved that, you know, how the, the quarterbacks are treated in the NFL these days, basically like sissies, you know, you can't touch them. Ben's always been a throwback, man. He's always been tough. So it pains me to say this. You know, they talked a lot this past week about his mechanics and him missing open receivers. And he missed, he missed a couple yesterday. One, at least that I know would have been a touchdown. And it's because you know what I'm seeing? He knows those. He knows better than anybody else that those knees are shot. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like taking those shots anymore. Anytime anybody's close, he's throwing off his back foot. He's just lobbing it up there to brace himself and to try and avoid that hit. And that's why the offensive line is maybe more important right now than it is on your average team, because we've seen it when he has the ability and the time to step up and, and kind of walk that pocket forward. He's going to ripen it into somebody, and it's going to be trouble for the defense. When he's got people around his feet now these days, he's a bit skittish. Sean, we just had some breaking news while we've been on here in the last 10 minutes. John Gruden resigned about uh, nine minutes ago. you got to be kidding me. I am not. So another another email was leaked. You know, two emails have been leaked, and I'm just I'm reading right from the email here. Um, while he is working for ESPN as a caller analyst for Monday Night Football, uh, John Gruden sent an email to Bruce Allen, former president of the Washington Football Team. In the email, he said Roger Goodell is a faggot and a clueless anti-football pussy. This is what he said in the email. Uh, and Goodell should not have pressured Jeff Fisher to draft queers in reference to Michael Sam, who was a gay player drafted by a team in 2014. That email was released about 15 minutes ago, and John Gruden resigned about five minutes later. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I have got lots of feelings on this. <laughs> lots of feelings on this and this is a real touchy subject that you have to walk the damn line you know I'm not saying that what John Gruden said was good or what you want to be saying I however am a realist and I am a human being I don't know how old John Gruden is I'm going to say he is within six or seven years of my age. 
which would put him around 50, 51 years old. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think you're right on there. We grew up in different times. And I'm not making excuses. Do not get, please don't get me wrong. We grew up in different times where. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? Like, I don't know if this is going to sound messy. It's locker room talk. Yeah, when we were on the playground, it, it wasn't in a homophobic way. You would hear exactly. people call each other faggots. Yes. And it wasn't like, I'm anti-gay. You'd be like, you're a fag, right? So Like, you're a goof. Right. And you could say the same thing about the word pussy. Again, Dude, take- you know how many times a day I call people that at work? <laughs> right now, just goofing off, man. And, right. and people people do the same thing back to me. And, and let's let me pause there for a second, Sean, because there are people that don't speak like that. I can I will say I'm not one of them. My mouth is is not good. It's I actually don't like my language sometimes. I don't I don't Agreed. I'm speak the most articulate at times. But I I yeah, I, I I use language that that a lot of people don't like. The thing that gets me about scenarios like this. There are people that don't use this language. And for you people out there that are highly offended by, by, by this, by what John Gruden wrote, I get it because that's not how you talk and that's not how you live. But you're also the minority of how I think most people do talk or what they are comfortable being around. The lion's share of people that are going to say they have a problem with this, Sean, talk like that. But they, they'll act like they don't. That's because that's that's where we are, man. And I and I feel like I'm on a loop saying this. That's where we are as a society. If somebody has a problem with something, we automatically take their position. The guy, the girl. They got to go. Yep. It's cancel culture. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sick of it. And again, I'm right there with you. I understand that there are people out there who don't live that way, who don't speak that way. And I have no problem with that because that is the way that they have decided to live. And that's cool. That's, that's great. I will never tell anybody how to live or you know what they think is flat out wrong like you're, mm-hmm. you're entitled to that mm-hmm. but that doesn't give everybody the power or it shouldn't to cancel those that you don't agree with and, and i'm just i'm just so tired of it i really am i'm to be honest with you I have a lot more problem with the first email that was leaked um, than I do the, this one. But it, but in a, in a weird way, I almost understand him resigning because there's just too much fire now. Well, earlier we talked about Urban Meyer, right? You got to be the leader of the football team. So I'm trying to be fair here, right? Are you are you representing 
what you want that that organization to be. Now, I think the difference here is Urban Meyer's actions were now. This email is uh, seven years old. So these actions happen seven years old. <clears throat> playing devil's advocate, somebody may say, I'm sure that's who he still is today, just playing devil's advocate. Uh, so it's it is tough. I mean, it, it, do you hold do you hold it against them for an email that heck? I guess we don't even really know if the email's from him. We'll just we'll just assume it was. Do you hold a seven year old email against him and his body of work today, or or not? Hey, and, and also with that said, in, interesting. I asked you earlier if you're um, up at halftime. So uh, I can't remember the other gentleman's name that does the uh, halftime show or the the color um, of the review before the games, but he did Monday night football with Gruden um, back, back during that time. And they had Mike talked. Tirico? Yes. Mike Trico. Thank you. Mike Trico. And uh, they had actually talked about Gruden. They talked about the first email and, you know, Dungy and, and Trico both said ugly, uh, terrible email, but Gruden said, I'm, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm sorry, not Gruden, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy seems like this is just the most genuine person. Like when he says it, I, he he means it. He said he apologized and he said, I'm gonna take his apology. Like he's the kind of guy, like if you apologize to him, he 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 thinks you mean it. <laughs> you know, you apologize to me, clean slate. God bless you. Let's pray together. That's like who he is, you know. And then Mike Tirico took a very similar stance, but the way his tone was at first, I didn't think that's where he's gonna go. And he said, yeah, he goes, I did Monday night football with John Gruden for this is kind of how he started it. He goes, I did Monday night football with John Gruden for, for four years. He goes, I spent a lot of time around John Gruden, more time than I wanted to. He goes, not for one second did I ever feel any prejudice or racism from him ever. And we talked about everything under the sun. Not once did I feel that he was that kind of guy. So take that for what it's worth. We can say what we want about him, but people that actually know him have a much different opinion. But that's not good enough because we've got to bow to the, the, the minority of people who take offense to it. For listeners out there that don't know too, Mike Trico is, is a black guy. I think that's worth noting. I, I, honestly, I think on that show, you have Mike Tirico, you have Tony Dungy, and you have Rodney Harrison. So you have three African-Americans on the panel. Yep. yep. As far as, as the just recently, uh, as we were on here, leaked emails, I promise you. And, and here's the difference, in my opinion, between the Urban Meyer situation and this. I promise you that both of those words in question are used multiple times a day inside that locker room. Yep. Agree. And yeah. I, I'm telling you, we live in scary times, Brian, because you know this as well as I do. If every one of us had our texts or our phone calls gone through, there'd be an awful lot of people on the unemployment line. You're absolutely Myself included. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't fire you, Sean. <laughs> but but you brought up a, a better point that it's not good enough that people who know him 
say that's not who he is. We got to do it now because of the optics of it. It's, it's a great thing how much has changed in our lifetime. When we were kids, the derogatory terms and language that was used is far greater than I feel like it is today. 100%. And that's a great thing. We are so much more aware today, literally today in 2021, and mindful around how certain things could be offensive to different people. Now, you could argue we're taking it too far in some instances, and people are a little too soft. But I think the awareness is a positive thing. Um, you know, again, when I was little, we we call we call somebody a fag, and it had no homosexual connotation. It was a word. It was a word that, as a kid, you probably didn't need in your vocabulary, right? Today, that's a word that is not in a, a kid's vocabulary. Um, and I'm going somewhere with this. These emails that John Gruden's being held accountable to are from 2011 through 2014, which on the surface might not feel that long ago, but the first collection of emails was 10 years ago. And it's kind of hard to rewind and take yourself back 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, we weren't having conversations about bathroom signage, about birthing people, birthing people if it's okay to identify as, you know, however. And my point is, is the conversation and the openness has changed a lot. Language and the way you use it has changed a lot. How, how far is I mean, I guess I'm just kind of talking out loud here is how dangerous is it when that's not taken into context and now we're just going to roll back time and pull out language we don't like and hold people accountable to it when people don't, aren't going to like when I say this, but the time was different then. Just 10 years ago, the time was different. I, I'm, I'm willing to bet you're not going to find an email from John Gruden in the last couple of years that he's talking like that. Maybe I'll be called a liar and they'll pull out a new email from last week. I, I bet not. I, I bet you're right. Isn't there like a, there needs to be like a statute of limitations here, right? Like, and you hear these stories of people finding a Twitter, a tweet from somebody like 15 years ago and they cancel them. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Right. I, I'm a different person than I was a year ago, let alone the difference between when I was a snot nosed brat in high school as opposed to now. Yeah. And I, and I want to, I, I want to make it very clear that neither one of us is saying, anything in those emails is appropriate we're not we're not saying that at all I, I think we can agree that it was not appropriate none of this is is right but we talk about all the time about oh you know that's a slippery slope we're not in ver we're not on the verge of going to uh, onto that slippery slope we're well on it and now once you're on that slope there's no stopping because it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. We're going to get to the point where you can't say anything, even in a joking manner, for fear that, hell, that you're going to lose your livelihood. Yeah. What an I, interesting I, time we are living in. 
I hate it. I really do. I mean, think about this. We a head coach in the NFL just resigned today from emails that were surfaced 10 years ago. Who's the person out there that's been holding on to these and and waiting to to let go of these? I wonder how long they've been holding this over his head. I wonder how much money he's paid. I'm sure, I'm sure today is not the, you know, this past week. I'm sure this past week is not the first time that he found out somebody had these emails. They've been probably ransoming these with him for, for years. It's, it's somebody, it's one of those people that you mentioned doesn't speak that way. And they have a problem with it. So anybody who does speak that way has to be dealt with. And like I said, you know, I have a far bigger problem with the original email that came out. I mean, there's there's no there's no explaining that one. They're, yeah. they're just it, it, it it's felt like there's really, a little hate in there. It's just in in horrible taste. Mm-hmm. And but the these ones that just came out, yeah. I don't know when they were from. And like you said, it was a different time. But like I said, I promise you, those words are being used left and right in that locker room. Yeah. Today. They will be tomorrow and the next day. Say what you want. Say it's toxic masculinity, whatever. It's just the way that dudes talk. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I mean, you're smart enough, I'm smart enough to be able to be in a crowd and know what's appropriate. When I'm talking to you on the phone or I'm talking to another one of my buddies on the phone, I also know what can be appropriate then. If you're going to dig into everybody's past, we're all in big trouble. That's right. Sean, what a fun episode this was. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing how things work out, right? We normally do this. Typically, we do this. We record on Monday evenings, usually around 6. Uh, we had some family things this week, both of us. So we didn't record until, what, 8 o'clock tonight. Had we record regular time, we wouldn't have got this breaking news. So, you know, it's interesting how things work out sometimes. Sean, this was a fun week. We've got a great week of football. We've got a great week of football, high school football, that is. A lot of good games. Folks, get outside your house on Friday. Go support your local community. Go to our website, ovathletics.com. If you're looking for a game, check out our website. We've got all the games listed. Uh, Also, don't forget this Saturday, you can check out the West Liberty Hilltoppers. They kick off at 1 o'clock in West Liberty. The Bethany Bison will also be at home in Bethany. Some great football up on the hill. Also want to thank Ohio Valley Nutrition. Great people. I wouldn't say that if I didn't mean it. Great people. They know what they're doing. They have good prices. If you've got goals, regardless of what they are, they can help you. If you want to lose fat, they can help you. If you want to gain muscle, it's really tough to do if you're not supplementing your body right. Go see them in St. Clairsville. They can take great care of you. This is Ohio Valley Athletics, the Ohio Valley's number one site for local sports talk. We'll talk to you next week.